0: Themselves after our guys put a beat down on them earlier this year. Throws <laughs> it right to the hole. He ties the game at 98. DeMar's got 20 to leave the way for the Spurs. How to make him make that shot from the outside.
1: the Views from the Clutch, I go by the name of Smart
0: Alex. I'm here with my brother from another. See, grand. what's good? And we are
1: back with another edition of Views from the Clutch. As always, we would like to say thank you to our supporters, listeners, and subscribers. If you would like to join the wave, you could do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosted on. You could also send us a message. You can reach us directly at clutch at gmail.com. You can tag us on social media at Views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just like that, we're back, and before we even get to it, tonight is what, game three of the NBA Finals? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we'll jump into how we feel about the first two games of the Finals as we continue spilling that catch up on all of the other things that we may have left on the drawing board. Do you recall where we last left off on the the last episode? I know we had caught up to the Finals, but I know there were some issues. Okay, well, let's start with something that just happened. So uh exhibition USA basketball, here's this ugly head as Team USA manages to lose to Nigeria. You have any 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 thoughts on that? Team USA losing like it's like their second exhibition loss in like seventy games or something. But still, it's still
0: let okay, yo, they lost ninety to eighty-seven. With I think it was three or four of those players are like Miami Heat reserves, right? Uh the biggest issue that I saw was, and one of the, one of the players from uh, Nigeria and his comments were, uh, for him and his him and his teammates playing for his country, he thinks is bigger than some of these players playing for their country. Yeah. Mm, and I said, "Oh, I wish I," found-. and I'd have to look look. I'm going to try to stress myself to look back, but he was just basically saying. That it means a lot more to them to play for their country than the US. Now again, I can't, I can't fall, I can't knock any of these NBA players and say, Oh, I don't think you want to play for your country. But I can say that when uh, uh last, last played Nigeria, Nigeria, which was a few years ago, they they mopped the floor by like 40 something points, right? Yeah, and 30, then also 40. going into last night's game, they were favored to win by like twenty-five or more. Mm-hmm. So and most people are, this is, this is the first exhibition game to kick off. Normally you get, you kick off an exhibition with a team that's going to give you a little challenge, but norm, normally you know this is a team we can definitely beat. You know what I'm saying? Nobody kicks off exhibitions with some, old, or I'm going to fight the stiffest competition and you know, let's chips fall what they make. So this is not a good sign in my opinion, I, but I also, it can go two ways. This could be smack in the face to team USA and say yo all right, we we were we we were trash in the uh world championship and we kind of bought, like our JV squad but this is, should some of our varsity players from this year's olympics is not here yet but some of them playing in the NBA finals but this should be a reminder that yo you're going to get everybody's toughest battle they're going to be at 100% you can't you can't afford to just show up because you team USA and the history nah They don't they don't buy I don't buy that back in the day crap no more. That's what a lot of countries is looking at. Like and a lot of these players that a lot of these countries have players that play in the NBA. And some of these dudes that play for these other countries is looking like, I don't think your team USA is that good anyway. So here's my opportunity to showcase and show you that they ain't as good as they say they are. You know, they're living Mm -hmm. off of the reputation and not off the reality. So listen, Mm -hmm. I I look at it like they gotta go. TBSA either is going to dominate from here on out or we're going to see games like this more often. It's one or the other.
1: Let's touch on a few things in regards to international basketball. I want to set the table correctly for where my perspective comes from before I really speak to what I think is going on. So I'm going to tell you what I think is going on, and then I'm going to build my face. Okay. I think international basketball is all about clout chasing. Absolutely, that is all it is centered on. It's about clout chasing. And I'm gonna show you where all the different directions come from, along with the viewers. So let's let's cross one little bridge. In the past couple years, it was said that Canada was approaching Team USA as far as overall talent level and possibility of being one of the best teams in the world. Yeah. The reality Canada is not going to the Olympics, they lost in their qualifiers. Andrew Wiggins and them won't be playing for a gold medal or any type of medal. So let's remove that from the equation. But let's also acknowledge the fact that Canada itself has acknowledged quite a, has accumulated quite a stockpile of talent that plays in the NBA on their national team. You got Andrew Wiggins, you got RJ Barrett, and you got a couple other guys who play for Team Canada. Um, These foreign countries that allow, Players who grew up in America to play for their, their national teams are cloud chasing. Um, some roundabout way, I think they found a way to weasel Kyrie to be eligible to play for like the uh, Australian team if you wanted to, or something like that. Because I think he has like Aborigine roots. I don't remember, but I know that there's there's a team not of America that offered Kyrie temporary nationality. Russia has done it. A lot of countries do it. They take these players who, oh, your mom dated somebody who was Greek? All right, we'll come play for the Greek national team. Clout chaser. This all goes back to the dream team and what they started. And unfortunately, an African country was a victim of it. Because remember when Team USA went out and demolished Angola? Mm-hmm. I think they was like 73 or something like
0: that. Yeah, was
1: ridiculous. When, when, when the Dream Team put a stamp on international basketball, made their claim to, this is where you guys need to get to if you want to be able to give us any real smoke, the rest of the world took notice, and it's become a clout chase. The Nigerian basketball team, you know who their coach is? Their coach is Mike Brown. And Mike Brown is a former NBA head coach who is an assistant in Golden State. Mm-hmm. Coaches, they know... If I go out and out coach Team USA, that puts me on the radar for what? For a job in the NBA.
0: The head coach is job. Old. Players,
1: like you alluded to, if I go out and give Team USA 30, that puts me on the radar for what? An NBA, an NBA contract. And some of these guys already have roster spots on NBA teams. But what it does is it elevates their their profile and value to either the team they're on or teams that are looking at these players when they have an opportunity to become available. It's a cloud chase. And the only people who don't benefit from the cloud chase are Team USA, their coaches, and their players. Because what are
0: they expected to
1: do? They're
0: expected to win. Destroy.
1: So anything less from T- Team USA's perspective as far as how they go out and perform It's going to be seen as a colossal failure, whereas on the other end, if you do anything positive against Team USA, make them break a sweat, give them a close game, give 30 to one of the guys who may have been all NBA, first team, this, that, and the third, whatever the case may be, any type of positive performance you have against the barometer of what they consider to be the best basketball country in the world, you elevated yourself. So, like you alluded to at the very beginning, you said Team USA is always going to get every country's best shot. The Nigerian team had been together since, I think, the third week of June. Mm -hmm. They've been in camp. Team USA has been in camp for four days. Their last activity prior to this game was a light workout where they did individual shooting. Yeah, exactly. The cohesion – that you need to play in international basketball it takes a while for every team usa team to get it some teams never actually get it because either the training camp is too close to the tournament or the team just simply doesn't gel because it wasn't assembled correctly or mm-hmm. you know it just happens it doesn't it doesn't work out well kevin durant was two for 17 i think crazy against yeah, the- yeah. now kevin durant goes two for 17 in the playoffs. We're crucifying him. Yeah. He goes two for 17 in the international exhibition, and we've got to put it in proper context. Team USA played poorly. Dame Lillard, who is Mr. You know, Ice in my veins, who always pointing to his wrist with his clutch time, he had none of that going against Nigeria. Same for Jason Tatum, same for pretty much the entirety of the USA roster. Because although they they had the lead for an extended period of time, when Nigeria took over and started to expose that Team USA's best weapon wasn't going to work in their favor, which was isolation basketball, Mm -hmm. it started to rear its ugly head that when you go into international competition and guys don't know who they're playing with, their tendencies, where they're going to be on the floor, how they set screens or any of that other type of stuff, it has a dramatic effect on the quality of basketball you're able to generate. It's like me and you going to a new park or any one of our listeners you and your boy, who you've been playing basketball with for 20 years of your life, y'all go to some random park because y'all heard they got good there. The run is 5-on-5. Five five. So y'all go to the court. Y'all call next. Y'all got to either get picked up by three guys or y'all got to pick up three guys. Your best opportunity to scout those three guys is if you got there before they did or you got there when they were already playing and you could pick three losers or whatever the case may be. There's going to be three losers if you got next. So you don't get to pick three winners. Or you get there and there's three guys already waiting you've never seen play basketball in their life, and they're like, oh, we need two so y'all can jump on with us. The expectation that y'all going to go out there and run three-man weaves and coordinated pick-and-roll plays and, you know, guys are going to know to slip the screen and defensive calls are going to make sense and all that stuff, it's out the window. That's the equivalent to what Team USA is dealing with right now. They've got good coaching in place. So Popovich, he took the mic and he said, "You know, this is exactly what, it, what what we needed, which is what a coach is supposed to say in a situation like that when you of lose course. and you're to win, and there's no real actual consequence to the win or loss. Yeah, but they've got to be able to put their money with their mouth is, and like you also alluded to, there's players that are still playing. Well, who are they waiting for from the um, Chris Middleton and what Booker? Are those the two guys left? Uh-
0: I- Holiday also, maybe not. but Definitely Booker and Middleton. Um, Those are are the two for sure that uh, I know. But for some reason, I thought Holiday made it too. But again, I could be definitely wrong. So I won't even, but just throw in the two that we know for sure.
1: All right. Well, Team USA is going to be waiting for Chris Middleton, and they're going to be waiting as long as Milwaukee's waiting. So as we switch back to the NBA Finals, um the, the the current temperature on the NBA Finals is Wait,
0: wait, wait. Wow. But let, let let me say something real quick. It is Drew Holiday. Uh Drew Holiday oh, um Devin Booker and Christmas. But let me say something that you said about the uh, at, about the analogy towards the pickup basketball, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing I look at that a little different is because I know even if I never play with y'all our team USA is looking at it. These are the five or ten nicest We're the best players in the world. We're the best put- so listen on, an, on it's almost like you go into the park and you one of the nicest people in the park and then you grab four other of the nicest the the four the next four nicest people, and then y'all go play against whoever's left. Some dudes is gonna be I. Right. other dudes is, might be kind of nice, but they ain't at the level you at. That's like, listen, be honest. That's right. Difficult. That's
1: the problem. The problem is, is that we've given this idea that these players from these other countries are not on the level of Team USA. Maybe not an overall skill, but remember, big components of international basketball are athleticism and your ability to play within your team structure to do what's required of you. Did you
0: see Kevin Durant get his shit ate when he tried to dunk? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Or On okay. the dude from Miami, what's his name? Uh, Precious... Something yeah, precious
1: a lesson. Right. So that was a pure basketball play. Kevin Durant thought, oh, you know, I'm Mr. Seven Foot Wingspan and I'm driving to the basket. And nobody's gonna stop me because, you know, I'm Kevin Durant. And Precious was like, my precious. And ate his food. So yeah. there are elements to, to what has happened as far as skill and talent and athleticism level with these players from these other countries that Team USA, there's nothing that they can do to to make up for that. Players are going to gradually get better, are going to gradually get more athletic as you you widen your pool of talent. And that's what these countries have been able to do. The Dream Team inspired a lot of people around the world, kids, to pick up a basketball. And those, those kids that picked up a basketball, they had kids. Yep. So now you're talking second and third generation basketball players who were influenced by the Dream Team and now they watch because now the NBA is so heavily televised. Everybody can see an NBA game. All you need is the internet.
0: Well, and let, so, me, let, let me say this also, one quick thing. In defensive team USA, remember, a lot of these players have – they haven't had a month or two off from playing correct. a strenuous basketball season. So your rhythm and time, especially with that different t- style of basketball – some of the different rule changes it could affect the um, way, but, but and, and and I hope I so but let's also be clear too. You put the team USA on your chest. You could have said no. We don't expect nothing else but wins. We don't expect losses. So we also have to be clear on that. You accept that. But, you accept that our responsibility.
1: But are our expectations still considered to be reasonable? Don't you think that our expectations should have changed the moment that Iverson and Melo and, and LeBron didn't come back with a gold? when they came back with a third-place team and they lost to Ginobili and them? Doesn't that, doesn't that officially no. make, it, make it known that other teams are capable of winning? I mean, there was a time even with, with after the Dream Team where Spain was the world champion. In international basketball this this did happen and this happened yes. post-dream
0: yes okay but let's let's also let's not overlook the fact that the reset button was pressed when you came out with the redeem team when you was led by kobe bryant right. and, and also and the, also keep and also team. go ahead okay uh, so I'm saying, also keep in mind on team usa's roster there are only about two non-nba all-stars no other that Nigeria didn't even have any starters, NBA starters. So when you start looking at the basis, yes, basketball, you throw the ball up, anything can happen. Guaranteed, I understand that. right? But what I'm saying is the perception sometimes is what's misleading, and also what gets people to not want to tune in and not want to believe in 2 ESA. Because you you got you got all stars, you got the elite of the elite. And, the only non all stars, those dudes are sitting in the bench. They're not really getting no minutes. Whereas us as a scrappy Nigerian team, like you said, everybody, we're going to give our 100%. But I'm just saying, we also got to keep in mind, these ain't like, like, like the world championships a couple years ago, where it looks like, like they barely was- had any all stars and they was scratching up to get pl- NBA players. This now is supposed to be the Olympics. This is supposed to be. Oh, I ain't turning this opportunity down. I'm going in there with, an, with a vengeance because it means more. Remember, world championships, it don't really mean as much, so you kind of can send your, your C or D squad out there. But the Olympics is supposed to be the alphas. And when I'm looking at the roster, yes, on paper, you have a lot of weapons. And, I, that, and again, this is also to say that the thing about chemistry helps because you got a lot of one-on-one players who now have to play a team game, and because you you saw it last night, a lot of players were waiting for other players to do something, so they ended up becoming the same robots on their NBA teams that just run to the corners. Instead they literally of basketball became the
1: players. players that they normally subjugate their teammates to become. That's yes. literally what happened. So you watched what would happen if Jason Tatum got on the court and was playing next to prime Michael Jordan he's going to turn into a spectator because it's Michael Jordan. It's Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm Jason Tatum, but it's Michael Jordan. It's Kobe Bryant. So I I, I get that too. And again, I, I don't excuse Team USA's loss. I more or less understand how it happened and why it happened. I do kind of... So, you're, again, so let me ask you this. When the great Popovich is is involved. I kind of have faith that, like, he will let a team lose, kind of like how Chuck Daly did. Remember, yes. remember the greatest story yeah. from the Dream Team is the Dream Teams assemble and they have this close scrimmage in Vegas where all of the top um, college, players. college players at the time could play against them. And I think, um, yeah, Penny Hardaway was on that team. Pen- um,
0: well, uh, 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 a couple. Uh, uh, up, Allen Houston was on that team. Quite, a, quite a few. The story I definitely know. Grant Hill was on the team. I, I definitely know where you're leading at. But continue.
1: So that team goes up against the original Dream Team: Magic, Scotty, Bird, Pippen, Ewing, David Robinson, and it's it's you know just open floor wreck. With mild refereeing that you have in a scrimmage environment, and those kids mopped the floor with mm-hmm. them. Yep, and of course, it's also said that eventually the pros got it together and made it a closer game at the end, but they got their bell rung yeah. by a bunch of cops. Yeah, and that was exactly what Chuck Daly, the coach, wanted because he knew. If that team didn't have a dose of humble pie, he would never be able to coach them. How do you coach a team where the players never feel a threat? They never feel like there's a possibility of them losing because they're so good. How receptive to to outside information from someone else of an authority figure type can you be if you don't even believe there's a possibility without that person, you can lose anyway? It's kind of like a boxer believing in his hand more than he believes in his his trainer. Yeah, 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 so, exactly, okay. You but know, like, other, I
0: can go out and knock anybody out. I don't need yeah. your advice. Exactly. See, and that's, but the problem is, the scrimmages that we did not see back in the day, those are now televised. So we get Correct. to, so, so, so the problem will be, and again, this could, like I said, it could go either one way or the other. This could be Team USA's wake-up call, or don't expect much different. So, from, so from,
1: from your experience, because you know, I, I want to make sure we give the, the finals its fair dosage. From your experience, from what you witnessed, from, from, from all of your, your, your basketball life, what do you think is going to happen with Team USA? Do you think they bounce back and figure this out and, and go on to take the gold medal? Or are we looking at a team where every game is going to be must-see because we don't know what we're going to get? It's going to be a house of what, what What do you think?
0: Well, I would say this, bar, barring any injuries, right? Because this is some of these players, again, this is an extension of the regular season for some players where it just ended for some guys a couple weeks ago. For three players that are still currently playing the NBA Finals, they're just going to pick up and they're not going to have much time off at all. So, you have, the, 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 the battle of attrition is going to be totally different. But with that being said, I'm not even going to Injuries as a case because I don't wish that on nobody. I don't care whether you played yesterday or you played two years ago. Um, I will say this: I will not be. I, I, I think USA is still going to win the gold medal, but it will not surprise me if they don't take a loss in that process. Besides this exhibition, and, like and, and, and how is it that Jalil Okafor is on the Nigerian? This
1: is what I talk about with the cloud chasing, Jalil Okafor is on the Nigerian men's national team. Mind you, he didn't play a minute, but he's on their roster. Mm, Ekpe Udo, yeah. that's a fair play. Ekpe Udo, who went to Texas and also was in the NBA for a while, I think he played on the Milwaukee Bucks, so that was where he got most of his time.
0: KZ mm. Apala,
1: he's, he's a he's a Miami Heat player, I believe, or or Cleveland Cavaliers. Precious Achua is is a and Gabe Vincent, who's actually, he calls himself Gabe Namdi when he plays for the Nigerian team, so this guy has the ability to interchange his names like he's got like a comic book identity. He, he's on hey, that team and he's also Well, that that's the one that killed, say.
0: Yeah, yeah that's why I mentioned thinks- him that. Gabe, yeah.
1: Gabe was out there putting in work, but Gabe was also a phenomenal college basketball player. But we forget because a lot of these guys again they don't they don't get to the NBA, and we forget the the talent that they manifested in. In, in, the, in the NBA, I mean, in, in college basketball or in, on the big stage, you know, a lot of us just cut off our uh, understanding of how good a player is based on what they do and don't do. Um, some of these guys that are on Team USA that I never heard of Sadiq Bay, John Jenkins, Keldon Johnson, I've heard of, Josh McGaddy, Dakota Mathias, Cameron Reynolds, are these college players?
0: None of them got no, they- minutes. No, none of them got minutes. They got uh, Sadiq Bay is a rookie that used to play for Seton Hall, and he plays for the Pistons. Usually, like, a, oh, like a six I, didn't throw, I
1: didn't mean to throw Sadiq's name out there. I'm familiar with him. I know he played for
0: him. yeah. But John Jenkins playing, is awful. Yeah, I think I he think those playing. were guys were just the guys to be there to fill. fill the 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 Johnson, out, is a you
1: know spurt, what I mean? Though. Yeah. Telling Johnson is a spur, so I can understand him being.
0: Yeah, there. and um, and John Jenkins has been on the NBA. He's been quite in the teams. I like think the most recent team he played for was either was I think the Wizards. He's like a three point shooter. I don't never really see him do anything else. But he's kind of like an undersized three point shooter. Uh, but I was so these looking, last
1: five guys. These are the guys that are
0: holding mm-hmm. the water
1: for you know,
0: Milton. Exactly. But but let me say this real quick. When I'm looking at and again the box score sometimes don't always tell a story. Most times it doesn't. But what's very interesting that I noticed. Of the, of the players, of the key players that play um, over 20 minutes, right? I, heck, um, I even say this. Of the starting five, three of the starting five had a negative 11 plus or minus. And that was Dame, Bam Adebayo, and Kevin Durant. Uh, between Jason Tatum and Bradley Bill there was a plus six. So that is kind of telling how... Can I you know, ask a
1: question? You see the plus minus? I don't have it on, on the stat sheet I'm looking at.
0: Um, yeah. What is my boy? What, what
1: is my boy, skin Jordan? What, what, what was his plus minus? Zach Levine?
0: Exactly. He was actually... He played 21 minutes, but he was actually a negative three.
1: Damn...
0: Come on, light skin Jordan. Everybody else was, but I'm just saying, everybody else was positive. So they got one, two, three, four. Yeah. Damn, I'll be going to bat for you. You be doing that, man.
1: I went out on the limb just now. I was hoping that you was gonna come back and say, oh, he was like at least a plus one. And that, Jordan was a minus two. But I mean, again, so out, you, out of the
0: eight players, you, I, out of the eight players that played, that played consistent minutes, like double figure minutes, uh, Four out of the eight were negative. Again, three out of those eight were negative double digits. Everybody else was positive, you know. So that's that's this who interesting. The is, who were
1: the, the positive? Who the positive players from this? Uh, uh
0: this J- Jason Tatum, uh, okay. Bra- Bradley Beal, okay. uh, Jer- Jeremy Grant, okay. Dr- Draymond Green. Oh, uh, man, that's, okay. that's it. He does so much. Yeah, because yeah, Draymond But Draymond was a positive two, but still That plus two wins the game, you know what I mean right. um, So Yeah, because like, We're talking about,
1: what oh, was it a three-point loss? Like, it's not like Nigeria yeah. blew Team USA out So we don't want to I don't want to over no,
0: Yes, but let me say this Defensively, USA Had a, some issues A lot of times they weren't finding guys On the second, or more like the third Or fourth back screen Rotation you know, rotation. Because I noticed at one point, Team USA went up by, like, I think it was 11 or 12. And then they gave up like a, like a, I think it was like a 10-zip run, you know, and it was just like, okay. And then at one point, Nigeria had like a six-zip run or something like that. Then USA stormed back and they went on like a, you know, they went on like, okay, let's time to dominate. And then they got the lead back, but they never kept the foot, the pressure on. It was time, a lot of times where, the um nigerian team they were allowed to kind of come back you know what i mean and or and some guys hit some tough shots i'm not even gonna lie some of them shots some of them dudes hit it was like all right you know you just got you just yeah. gotta tip your hat to them like that that ain't that you ain't making that all yeah, right but yeah,
1: that's,
0: not. but again you know what i mean like i said i think they'll still make gold i just think that i will not be surprised if they lose a game going forward okay. in the
1: and, and my take is, based on the way that that roster is composed, which is what Team USA always struggles with, is what kind of bigs do you take into international competition? Because you want to space the floor big, and you also want to have a big that's, you know, traditional and can just basically be a horse and dominate. Mm-hmm. But in international basketball, these teams strategically find ways to remove that big. And a lot of coaches in the NBA have learned how to, quote-unquote, play small, you know, have a guy like Draymond play a five because he's versatile. And But I think that interior defense element that you lose, that ability to just say, this shot goes up off the backboard, I got it, element that Team USA has always had being gone, it, it makes for a different dynamic in, in how they play. Because the whole idea is let's take away your rim protection by making you play a small guy. And then let's run all of these, you know, convoluted sets like Spain pick and rolls that move players, switch players and cause you to open up the lane so now it doesn't even matter who you have protecting the paint because by the time the ball gets to the paint the guy who's protecting it is like your two guard Mm -hmm. so I don't see even with all those all-stars that are on this team all-world defenders and I think that's a problem I, I mean Bradley Bill is not defensive stopper at the one or the two. Damian Lillard, not a stopper at the one or the two. Zach Levine, not a stopper at the one or the two. Darius Garland, he played for Cleveland. Nothing else needs to be said. Kevin Love, he played for Cleveland. You know, they don't play defense in Cleveland. And I'm not saying that to the entire franchise, but let's just be real. The highlight of the Cleveland Cavaliers last year's season is Kevin Love being upset on the inbounds. And throwing <laughs> the ball to the other team. That is the penultimate reflection of, of the Cleveland Cavaliers season. That and them trading away Jared Allen. Oh, no, not trading away Jared Allen, but trading away Andre Drummond to, to
0: free up the franchise mm-hmm. for Jared Allen. But back, back to it. Um, well, one last thing. I would say one last thing is uh, Nigeria, Nigeria out-rebounded Team U.S. 13 rebounds. Exactly, and that's my
1: point. Listen, you got a whole bunch of, and I know I'm going to get bashed for this by, by, by our audience, but, I mean, you, you got a whole bunch of determined African warriors out there who, who are athletic and will go get it. I mean, when Precious ate Kevin Durant's food, it wasn't a, a bite off the plate. He, he walked up to Kevin Durant while Kevin Durant was eating a meal with his family and took the plate. They said, "What are you gonna do about it?" And there was a lot, of, right? There was a lot of that going on with 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 Nigeria's energy. There, there, there's a, and, and I think that you know a guy like Bam, he can match that. Bam plays against those guys every day in practice. He can match that, but I don't think Team USA has a lot of guys who are still in that in that level of athleticism where they can. Jeremy could probably, you know, give you a rough for your money as far as like just being a dog on the interior and willing to, to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think, I think, first and foremost, what's going to happen is the, the, the team is going to be tilted to better ensure that Kevin Durant gets the type of shots that he can make with ease within their flow. Because Kevin Durant is the type of player who can easily go into Carmelo mode. When Carmelo dominated international play, he didn't do it by doing much of dribbling or anything else. He literally was standing in perfect spots on the floor and knocking down shots. And there was nothing we could do about it. Yeah, Kevin Durant, I see him doing the same thing for this team, along with when it's time to go get a bucket, turning on that mode. But I think that that will be handed over to somebody like Devin Booker when he shows up. Um, J.R.U. Holiday is going to ensure or at least shore up their perimeter defense because that's one thing that he does give you. I mean, I don't count on him to shoot the ball, and we're about to get to that. Um, Chris Middleton, obviously, when Chris Middleton sits in the chair, he gets comfortable. He's a knockdown shooter, so I think that you'll also have him flanking another wing, and those guys will be able to feed off the type of offense that Devin Booker is able to allow you to generate. So I do think that Team USA maybe not necessarily will be dominant, but I do expect them to you know figure things out and over the course of the tournament put together a gold medal run. If they were to lose a game, it's not going to be a game that's going to be consequential to them being in the medal round. I, I can't see that. I think this wake up call and the nature of who Kevin Durant is, alone and how angry he gets when he has a bad performance, is going to be a reflection on. I feel sorry for the next team. Will they? Will they? Will they? All of a sudden, be a cohesive unit that is passing the ball all over the place and playing amazing defense? Probably not. But Kevin Durant ain't gonna go two for seventeen in national place twice. I, I could just bank on it. If, if I, I I'm I'm more likely to believe that if Kevin Durant is about to have another bad game, he'll fake an injury before he'll stay out there and allow himself to be to Yo, face.
0: that's crazy. You're crazy. Durant Durant ain't like that, man. Durant built the hoop. It's a joke. you know. I know, you know, I know. Just I know, I just thought but you back were back to with so,
1: or something so so back to showing up. Um the NBA finals like we, we 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 both kind of like chose i don't want to say the safe route, but we both are no longer willing to bet against Phoenix, and I think
0: I took Phoenix in six. did
1: you take Phoenix in six too
0: i th- I thought oh, um, five. no i said i said because I said I believe Phoenix is going to win this because of uh Monty Williams coaching, and right. here we are, here we are, Phoenix is up two zip because of the inability to in my opinion, to adjust, but we can't... Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you adjust to your backcourt essentially
1: being in the stands for two games? Chris Middleton played two quarters in two games of NBA Finals-level basketball. J.R.U. Holiday is literally out there proving that money can be stolen if you ask nicely.
0: Okay. Okay. We're, we're talking
1: don't... about <laughs> trying to get Bren Forbes more playing time. That's what you're about to say, because that's the adjustment. Get somebody who can make a shot out there.
0: No. That one kind of, of my one of my things was they got to get Bobby Porter's more involved because those leaving leaving, uh, Brett Brook Lopez on that island to defend in game one, and let's talk about game one because. Yes, game two, they there were there were diff- some adjustments made. But that game one, when you're leaving Brook Lopez oh, on an island, huh? Let's
1: talk about the drop. let talk about the drop coverage.
0: Yeah. Well, that's,
1: you, that's you can't, about
0: yeah, yeah. So, so that's the that, thing.
1: That's a coaching mistake.
0: You I think so. I think that's more of a person. That, Let's like review, the,
1: that's review that's, what the obligations of the drop coverage are. So the screen is set and you as the big are obligated to meet the ball. You have the option, if you don't believe the shooter can make the shot, of dropping to allow the shot to be taken. Or you have the option of pursuing the ball carrier to force them to make a decision. After the game, Brooke Lopez stated in plain English, I made a mistake. I probably should have shown more faith in my teammates and made Chris Paul do something.
0: Okay. A Lopez okay, again, as a coach, I see my players not doing what he's supposed to do. I wait, wait, wait. To... but what is it that he was supposed to do? That's a player decision. That's the, that's how so I have to I have to force him make, to make a decision. I have to force, him. hey, you need to step out a little further. What you're currently doing is not working. I need you to step out. I need you to commit. I know... listen, I need you. You might not want to, but every time I need you to. Because I'm relying on so you, you feel so you feel that
1: Milwaukee's best option in defending those Phoenix screenplays where Chris Paul and Devin Booker are the ball handler is for the big from Milwaukee to get into the guard once he gets over that screen.
0: That's what you're saying. I'm what That's I'm saying. No, see, no, let, me say this. Let, me, let me say this, and you can take it how you're going to take it. I think it's better than leaving Chris Paul, who has a history of hitting the same exact mid-range shot his entire 16-year career. Mm -hmm. I think it's what you did. I think you can do something better to stop that. If you allow him to shoot a wide open elbow jump shot or a little bit of elbow extended jump shot every single time he comes down the court, you're not doing a good job as a defender. You're not even getting it. He's getting a wide-open shot to the point where at some point you and I could go out there and we can hit a few of those if we're wide open. Oh, absolutely. And for 16 absolutely. years... And we'll, we'll, we'll make them the same way that
1: Chris Paul make them. We'll jump off one leg, fade into a direction where there's a nearby defender and possibly get an a, a, and one call off of it. We, we can, we can but, reenact yeah. what Devin Booker and Chris Paul have been doing to perfection because that is the level of dropping that Brooke Lopez was engaged in.
0: And that's and why I'm saying work. that that level was not sustainable as a coach, though. Again, they made some adjustments. And it, Let me say this. Milwaukee, the score said one thing. Milwaukee was making a comeback. And, yes, to, coaches, coach, okay. Bud's, to coach Bud's defense, Giannis was out there by himself. So it's hard. Which is something, which is
1: something that we did not anticipate.
0: Yes, because yeah. remember we, we, we anticipated going... one, we thought
1: he was going to play or he may not exactly. be effective because he and then yes. go ahead, continue.
0: No, that's what I was going to say. We, we actually covered on our last podcast, we had just found out that he was going to play. Right. And Literally I... while we were playing. Yes, because he hyperextended his leg exactly. to the, his left leg to the point where we both thought that Oh, we'll see him next we'll see year. Him. You know what I'm saying? Or
1: and even he said that. He thought he was done for the season. So
0: it, it wasn't a reach
1: to, to, to think that there was a big-time possibility that Giannis might not play. Shout out to Giannis because what he's giving them in the state of, you know, health that he's currently in is equivalent to, to what Embiid was doing for Philadelphia. Like, you don't think this guy is capable of turning in an all-world performance, and that's exactly what he's doing. So I give a lot of credit to Giannis. Um, obviously, his flaws are his flaws, you know? He, yeah, he but... gets egged and taking three-point shots. He doesn't make enough free throws where it makes sense for him to be the battering ram, two-steps, two-move guy that he is when it comes to his offensive repertoire. But it's still managing to generate, what, 40, 10, and 5 or some other ridiculous level. Well, he's,
0: he's, at, he's averaging 30. 30 what 30 14 and like 4 for the um for the playoffs cuz he scored he scored 30, he scored 20 first game 20 and 17 and like four assists and then he scored the second game too he scored what 42 50, 42 13 and like four so you know what i mean it's kind of again Giannis is not the problem in this right. series and again I, I let me say this i, I, I tip my I, I tip my hat to Giannis because he could go up there, take 45 minutes to shoot one free throw, and still shoot an air ball. But he is convinced or he is confident enough that I'm going to go back up there again and I'm going to make it this time. Whereas you have other players in the league who we have been on our podcast that are afraid to shoot no matter how much money you ben give them. Ben That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can well, say that. Well, well, we're, we're not going to bring it about it. him.
1: We're not going to bring it about him. We
0: are because
1: he is the comparison point, and it's only fair that our our listeners, if we get a new one, isn't left in the dark to say, "Oh, I wonder who who, who they could be referring to." It's Ben Simmons. But but back to it. Um, I, I've said it, and I'm going to continue to keep saying it. It's different when the lights are on, and you got to play for the bag, not the bag that you're getting paid. With the bag that leaks to the respect and the champagne, so, so you ain't been there before, man. Drew has not been where the lights are on. It's different, man. It's different when you
0: got roaches in your crib and you only got a couple light bulbs, so nobody really knows what's going on. Wait, wait, wait. But in, in what regards? Because remember, the only player that's been to the finals was Jay Crowder and on both teams, all right. So,
1: but it so let's get back to it let's get back to it where did where did drew holliday go to college he went to ucla yes so that, that, to that was his biggest, that, that was his biggest stage as a basketball player and when he played on that team i think he was on the, the kevin love team i think that i think he goes mm,
0: back. To that. no 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 no, no. He, he he's older than that because westbrook was on a kevin love team And Westbrook okay. and them didn't play together. Uh, Drew Holiday, he played, what, one season, maybe two seasons at UCLA? But it was that before Drew, Kevin Love.
1: I think he played two or three. I don't, I don't, his career wasn't that good as a college player that he could have jetted off in two seasons. I doubt it. Yeah, but he was a veteran on that team that uh, Westbrook was on. I, I'm pretty sure he's not too far removed from, from the, the – the, 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 because remember, Kevin Love got a decade, and, and Drew got it. Decade, in the league. like they're not that far apart as far as like their NBA service time. Um, but you could be right. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to either make it about that. Uh, yeah,
0: to the- yeah, yeah, I would say Drew came in 2009. So, oh Sean, ahead. Yeah, he played one year, and he only averaged eight points in um for UCLA. I was just gonna try to see what that year was from what he what he did for that year. But go ahead, as we're talking, I'll uh, I'll try to figure that out.
1: Mm-hmm. Back to it. Again, when it comes to high-level pressure basketball, you know, Drew is somebody who has not had in the NBA much experience with those type of stakes. Um, I think the leadership of Chris Paul cannot be underestimated when it comes to the impact that it's had on the remainder of that Phoenix Suns roster, the, the, the veteran presence of a guy like Jay Crowder who's kind of been in almost any situation you can imagine other than playing for Wait, wait did Jay, does Jay
0: Crowder have finals experience? He played with Miami last year in the finals.
1: Right. Okay, the, the, the bubble finals. Cool. Jay Crowder is somebody who's played big-time basketball, so I, I don't want to take anything away from him as a basketball player and what he brings as far as his confidence and, and willing to be a stable influence on that team. Uh, no, no, no. Shade will be thrown to to Jay Crowder and what he brings to a basketball team. Um, but again, I think, like we said, the Chris Paul effect. Like we we we've pointed to it for the entirety of this season, for the entirety of this this, this basketball cycle. It, it's it's a thing. It's real, and he brings a steady hand along with what you brought to the the conversation at the beginning. The presence of Monty Williams. Those are two voices in that locker room and on that team that have given them the, the, the confidence and stability to go out and perform as they have over the entire of the season. Mikel Bridges, playing out of his mind. He, in game two, he hit, and I was watching the game with my son, so it was a beautiful moment for it, it my, my older son, Alex. And all he kept saying was, Dad, who is Mikel Bridges talking to on the Milwaukee team? I said, what do you mean? He said, look, every time he makes a shot, He's telling somebody on Milwaukee about it. And we went back and watched it. Mikel was in his bag. and He was talking to somebody on Milwaukee's sideline every time he made a shot. A lot of the shots he made were where you're shooting in front of their bench. So you know that somebody's chirping. But he had the confidence to not only take make the shot, but then tell them about themselves. while he's wearing banana bolt sneakers. Because he's the only mm. one out there where he shooting on. Yeah. So yeah. Mikel's comfortable. You got to be comfortable to throw – Mikhail, the two most comfortable players for Phoenix right now, it's not Chris Paul and Devin Booker. They're just doing what they do. Mm-hmm. The two most comfortable players are Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges. Because Jay Crowder got on orange sneakers and Mikhail Bridges got on yellow ones. You know how much confidence you and comfort you must have to throw them shoes out there, knowing that people gotta adjust the brightness on their TV just to watch you play basketball. You're comfortable. You're really mm-hmm. comfortable. DeAndre Ayton. He, he's looking like the future league leader in rebound. What did he yeah. have? 18
0: in, in game two? Yeah, 19. Because Chris Paul took away his 20th. Because Chris Paul ran in front of him to get the rebound, not realizing if I let him get it, he would have had 20. So, and then yeah. in game one, what did we have? Double-digit rebounds too? No, I'm sorry. That was game one. My bad. Yeah, game two. Game two, he had, you know, he had, I don't remember exactly what he had, but it wasn't as as much of a monster. Um, but it was still another yeah. double, double-digit rebound situation. Well, I mean,
1: in game one, he had, like, double-digit rebounds before the end of the half. So he was really out there. But what, what it has exposed as far as, as the finals are concerned is when DeAndre Ayton was drafted out of Arizona, Much was made about his versatility as a big. But when you play with somebody like Chris Paul, when you have greatness alongside you, great leadership, they will subjugate some elements of your game for the greater good of the team. And a lot of what DeAndre Ayton isn't good at, Chris Paul doesn't really force him to do. Now, I saw a little bit of it during these Mm -hmm. these two final games because Chris Paul has this tendency... To occasionally give his big man the floating bounce pass on the yes. um, on the um, screen. Okay. Now, back in the days, that floating bounce pass, Amari gets that, he's gonna jump from outside the dotted line and dunk on you. Mm-hmm. Most other yeah. bigs who are who are comfortable with that that floating bounce pass, they have a finishing package that allows them to do something. DeAndre don't got that yet. If he had that, this series is beyond over. Because Chris Paul has been seeing that float and bounce pass available for pretty much the entirety of the series, and it's just a matter of having a big or somebody who could manipulate that pass to make it a, a true threat to the defense. DeAndre will get the ball. He won't. He won't turn it over, but he won't turn it into a plus play. Like, he won't catch it, swing to the wing for the open three that you get because the team, because you know the team collapses with mm-hmm. the ball the ball. or he doesn't have the the collective what's the word I'm looking for, dexterity, to catch that ball and finish all in one motion. Like, I'm just gonna catch the ball off the bounce and have my feet planted so that I can explode off of the catch and finish Mm. at the rim or even be a threat to the defense. What DeAndre Ayton does is, I've got to hand out coordination to catch it and not turn the ball over. So it kind of like boggles them down when that is the last option on their offense. But if he actually gets comfortable doing that, which I'm pretty sure he will be comfortable by next season, then, then what I said about Phoenix on the previous podcast goes out the window. They won't be a top four team. They'll be the best team in the in the West because you have a finishing versatile big who's willing to sacrifice a game to dominate the interior when it matters, which is come playoff time. You have an elite three level perimeter scorer on your wing. You have an elite level floor general running your team, and you got a bench full of guys who will do whatever it takes to win. Tori Craig, who you pointed out, is guaranteed an NBA ring.
0: He does whatever he needs. But he just got hurt. Yeah, just got hurt. But I think I don't know if he's. I think he's out for the rest of the series. I'm not. I don't remember. Um, Do you think that swings the series though? Because I don't know if Milwaukee has anybody left that they can put out there. Well,
1: Milwaukee I mean, has yeah. put everybody on the floor that they can. Now it's a matter of who's going
0: to actually show up. Well, and, and, and Milwaukee's defense, they are now headed back to Milwaukee. So if this where is you where know the
1: players should play, 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 play better at home, I guess.
0: The role players, they should.
1: And, and Everybody on the Milwaukee roster should play better. Chris Middleton should play better. Uh, J.R.U. Holiday should be able to actually identify that the rim is an object
0: that he should put the ball into. Yes, and not just throw at. Yes, because you could take. Tw- because you got Pat Connaughton out there looking like Jordan. Now wouldn't going after him. Until the fourth quarter. Yeah, huh? I w- I, w- I wouldn't go that far. Looking like Jordan, he will. He looks like a more of a serviceable player than Holiday offensively. Yes, but I wouldn't say go Jordan. Nah, you Jordan. know why I say look like Jordan because I
1: mean in comparison to J. W. Holiday, everybody looks like Jordan. Four for sixteen. Yeah, it's bad. And you're not, and it's not a four for sixteen where you're, you know, taking tough contested shots. Bro, you're blowing the chips on folders, rim runs. And then by the time you get an uncontested three, the defense is laughing at you like, we know he ain't in that. You might as well be. Remember when? Remember the most disrespectful Michael Jordan story of all time? Michael Jordan is, is guarding Muggsy Bogues. And, I, and the story has never been, like, officially, like, confirmed that it actually happened. But it's been said that Michael Jordan was guarding Muggsy Bogues and he said something along the lines of, let that bleeping midget shoot the ball. And Muggsy proceed, proceeded to, like, shoot an air ball or something. So it, 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 I think it was um, during the Bulls' championship run when that Hornets team was Muggsy, Larry Johnson, and um, Alonzo Warner, that young core team. And that was, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. He, he took their point guard heart. That's the equivalent to what we see right now. Like, nobody's afraid of a J. Rue Holiday attack of the basket. He's no. going to have to go out
0: and put up an 11-for-15 game. No, he might have to go 15-for-15 15 15 for people to say, okay. Because it's still going to be – it depends on when those four shots, those 11-for-15, when those four misses happen. If those four misses happen in crunch time, <laughs> then people are going to forget about him scoring and having 11 field goals. They're going to gonna focus on those missed shots. So, yeah, it will Correct. be key. Correct. It will be and, correct. And it's, a,
1: it's unfortunate to be in the position that J.R.U. Holiday is where literally almost nothing you can do is right if y'all don't win. Because if you go out and score, like you said, you go out and go 15 for 15 and y'all lose, you're still getting the blame. Oh, where was that in game one? Yeah,
0: where was that in game two? You know
1: Wait, what I'm saying? Because they
0: have to. But, I mean, let's be honest. Milwaukee has to even up the series for people to so go for It has to. Now, the, the The problem is we both feel from what we see out of Milwaukee, uh, J.Ru Holiday and Chris Middleton, we feel like if everybody else plays the same and those two guys don't step up, they're going to get swept because Giannis can only... Game two was his. Yo, if y'all don't help me... I am I'm forcing a trade type game. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm doing everything I can. Like I got one. I'm, left. Out, here. Yeah. I'm out here. Right, exactly. I'm out here with a RoboCop knee word. I'm at I'm at I'm at 75% giving my all. And neither one of y'all hurt like that. And I can't get 20% out of y'all offensive. Now defensively, Jeru Holiday was a lot better in game two. But was he? Yeah, because remember he had like what oh. three, four blocks. I mean, he, block, he he had the block on Aiden. He had the block on Devin Booker. He had this couple of steals on Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul had a bad turnover game. He had like six or seven turnovers for that game after not having any in game one. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, defensively, he was a lot better. Offensively, he was stunk it up. Which, again, this is a guy who can be the X factor for Milwaukee. It's just, I mean, he, he's just a non-factor right now. He is... You know what it is, and not to, not, to, not to rank on him too bad, but like you said earlier, he's not used to playing this time in the summer of meaningful basketball. So, yeah, it might, he might not give his all. He's not showcasing what he needs to do. But, again, Milwaukee is coming back to the crib. If they cannot make it happen at the crib, it's over. You know what I'm saying? Because this is the time. And 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 the and place. That's a literal truth. That's a literal truth. Milwaukee loses either of these
1: next two games. And unless we have a Golden State-Cleveland situation, the series is over. The series is over. You cannot go down 3-1 back to Phoenix. You absolutely cannot. Not with what you've shown. You've shown that you can compete in Phoenix while having a bad game, but you haven't shown that you can win. Like, there's nothing about that game that they lost that points to them being able to win. And I think... And I think when you've got that type of pressure on you, because, again, Milwaukee did this before. They went home and dominated against Brooklyn.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because they got crushed in Brooklyn, and then they came back and, you know, again. But, again, also with injuries, they were able to move on to the next round. So, like I said, we'll see what happens tonight. But tonight is a tall tale sign, because I really feel like if Phoenix wins tonight, Milwaukee might try to squeeze out game four just to get destroyed in game five. You know what I mean? Like a gentleman. I mean, it's
1: going to be about pride.
0: It's going to be about pride. You lose game three,
1: you go out and you swing for the fences in the beginning of game four with the hope that you know, you can... You, turn this you, around. You can, you can, you can not even turn it around, but you can steal a win. Because yeah. now you're just trying anything. Like, game four down 3-0, that's the game where Brent Forbes might start.
0: Yeah. Because at that
1: point, it's like, well, we'll kitchen sink, here we go.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, I mean, let's so, be honest. Let's be honest. Let me say this to you. We talked about earlier before this – after seeing these two games and the fact that I've always said Coach is on the hot seat, do you think with this team, with these, with the three core players, Holiday – Giannis and Middleton all being signed for the next at least three years I think each have at least the next three years on their contract do you feel like coach Bud if they can, if they get swept if it's four zip do you feel like coach Bud is going to uh, be allowed to play I mean allowed to coach going forward or do you think they're going to remove him let's say they get swept let's say they get four zip even four one right you think Coach Bud going to? Milwaukee
1: continues to, and, and we spoke about this before the finals started, and we said that like his equity had already been been installed, I, I think Budenholzer gets a contract, but I think the contract he gets, the offer he gets, is going to be reflective of the outcome of these finals. So let's start with worst case scenario for for Budenholzer. in this swept. He probably gets a one-year deal with a team option for a two-year deal.
0: So, wait, wait, before you go on. So, that looks like we offered him a deal, but in Coach Budmine, he might be like, I'm turning that down because that's not enough. That's not what I'm looking for. So and almost. Let's like not, not even worry about what his okay. reaction is going to be. Because gotcha, okay, let's gotcha, just gotcha, gotcha. be
1: real about Budenholzer's NBA temperature right yes,
0: now. Okay, perfect, perfect, perfect.
1: Budenholzer perfect. is a great hire to a team – looking to raise their profile but doesn't have expectations of winning immediately. That's the only coaching situation where you are going after a Mike Budenholzer if you have any common sense as a GM. Right now. And most of those jobs have already been filled. As a matter of fact, a young brother from the Mavericks is about to get a job.
0: Yeah, he, just got, the, uh, he just got the Magic's job. Yeah, he I, think magic. it's, uh, I think so, he was, his name is Mosley, maybe? um I wish I had his name. So, I'm a, I'm a... Congratulations to him. We'll cover him on the next podcast. Long story
1: short, those type of jobs, those jobs are the ones that get filled while Boone Hoser is co- currently coaching. So he's in a catch-22. He's at the mercy of Milwaukee. If he wants to coach NBA basketball next season, he's going to be looking at what Milwaukee offers him and making a decision on either I want to coach or I'm, I'm good. Because there's not going to be another job available out there for him. When you coach into the NBA finals, you're at the last window of available coaching opportunities. Most of them get filled before then because teams have to get ready for the draft. So they want to have their coach in place because they coach is the person who's going to be coaching the players that they're going to draft and so on and so forth. So Coach Bud is not in a favorable position. So going back to what I was saying, if they get swept, I can see Milwaukee giving him a two-year deal with the second second year as a team option. If Milwaukee goes 4-1, but it's a dominant – I mean, 4-1 is dominant. So, I can see him getting a two-year deal with the third being a team option. If Milwaukee bounces back and wins two games at home and loses in six, I can see him getting a three-year deal. If Milwaukee takes it to seven games, might get a lifetime contract offer because – How they – Milwaukee is a unique NBA situation. They know that they're not going to be a magnet for talent, whether it's basketball or coaching. So they almost have to, like, sneakily acquire it. And we kind of forget how Mike Budenhoser kind of got slipped under the radar because it was the LeBron effect. LeBron makes coaches look really bad. LeBron makes coaches look really bad when he beats them. You know, he did it to Dwayne Casey. He did it to Mike Budenholzer when Budenholzer had the Atlanta Hawks' as the number one team in the East and, you know, Cleveland manhandled them. He, he made coaches, he makes coaches look like a joke. So Mike's got a lot of uphill fighting to do as far as his reputation, but he still was a talented coach that got sniped because he lost to LeBron and Milwaukee was able to snatch him up when really nobody else was really checking for him like, you let go of Mike Buhlenholzer. What coaches are flocking to want to go coach Milwaukee? And what coaches really make sense? You're not going to bring in Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni cannot coach Giannis. And he's likely not going to want to leave Brooklyn. He's got an ideal situation. He gets to hide behind Steve Nash. Because what happened with Brooklyn? They flamed out. But nobody's blaming Mike D'Antoni this year. Why? He's not the coach. hmm But that's his offense. Those are his schemes. You get what I'm saying? So, what talent pool does Milwaukee really have to go with if they flame out? They're they're in a catch 22 from both perspectives. What guy out there can we go get to make this situation so that we are capable of winning a championship? You can't, you know, window dress it and go get a Doc Rivers because he's still in Philly. And at this point, I don't think anybody puts championship equity in Doc Rivers coaching anymore. You can't go get Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd and us, we burnt out already.
0: Jason Kidd's not a coach in Dallas. Dallas.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't exactly. get Rick Carlisle because Rick Carlisle he's having the Hickory the Hickory home reunion in Indiana. Mm-hmm. You can't get Nate McMillan because Nate McMillan
0: just re-upped in ATL. we' you to get Lloyd Pierce? You're not gonna get Lloyd Pierce yeah. who got fired. Yeah, because what I'm saying he's, a, he's the assistant and um, the top assistant in Indiana. Lloyd Pierce. Yeah, they just hired him.
1: Unbelievable. Listen, shout out the black coaches in the NBA. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see that the pool is allowing guys to continually get opportunities to work themselves back and be influential and supportive to the game. You know, the Jock Vaughns, the Lloyd Pierce's, the, these guys that are getting these shots out. It's, it's really refreshing. But back to the whole Milwaukee situation, um, game three is game five as far as, like, series determinants, So I put a lot of weight on how Milwaukee responds in this first home game. Now, obviously, the finals are a much more fun thing to examine because you get to look at them in in, in a microscope of game to game where typically over a series it's not really wise to do that because emotions swing from game to game. But I think Phoenix Hellcourt, which is what they were supposed to do, you know, you go, you, you open up the finals, you're the host team, you win the two games and you don't really leave much margin for error. And Milwaukee probably does feel like a couple of adjustments here and there, a couple guys play better. We maybe win one of those games. True. But that's the truth for probably almost every NBA game that you play. So Phoenix has got to be confident traveling to Milwaukee that if they toe the line and play the game that they've been playing, they've got a chance to win. They really don't need to win literally any of those games. But if they were to win one of those games, then, you know, they play with house money. So I think Chris Paul is going to look at this game and we'll see a barometer for where their mind frame is by like the middle of the second quarter. If if Milwaukee hasn't punched them and forced Milwaukee and forced Phoenix to play catch up, then I think Phoenix takes that game. And if they do, then, you know, we're looking at, having a new podcast talking about, you know, what what two-year deal Mike Boonecoaster shouldn't turn down, you know? Uh, Otherwise, I mean, again, we really haven't pointed the finger heavily at Chris Middleton because I don't want to say Chris Middleton hasn't shown up. He just hasn't shown up when it matters because he's had good moments during both games, but those haven't been sustainable long-term. And another thing that I want to point out is that Chris Middleton is arguably one of your better defenders in the league. And it's not like Devin Booker is out there being shut down. It's not like Chris Paul is out there being shut down. Yeah, Chris Paul is having turnovers, but that's really what it boils down to. Milwaukee has got to make a defensive statement. If they don't show that one of those two guys can be taken from the game, then the series is over. If it's just going to be, oh, we're going to take punches from Chris Paul and and Devin Booker and hope to win, the series is over because mm-hmm. those two guys are going to give you what they've been giving you. You're going to get a double double from Chris Paul. It's going to be a nice dosage of medium range jump shots with an occasional three pointer to break your back. And it's going to be Devin Booker and his Kobe like pull up game that's going to uh, annihilate you. And and everybody else on the Phoenix team is going to be able to can their open threes because they get a ton of uncontested open threes because of the friction that those two guys generate. So you have yes. to figure out which one of those two you're going to pour acid on and, and, and make life tough for. I think if Milwaukee doesn't come out with a strategy, I think, I think it's more important that they, they make it life miserable for Devin Booker than it is for Chris Paul. I would I, – and, and I'm sorry I never even mentioned this, but I made Chris Paul score 60 because I know the impact it would have on the rest of the team to have your point guard literally having to score all the baskets. I know what that does to a team. You know what that does to a team. When your guy who brings the ball up the court, calls the plays, has to do all the scoring because y'all can't or aren't being allowed to because of the defense, it breaks you. It breaks you. Mm. So I, that would have been my that would have been my approach for Mike Budenholzer from the get-go. The last time Chris Paul went out and, and did that, like, I mean, he had, what, 40 in the closeout game against um, – against the Clippers, or in one of those two closeout games. He had, you know, like 40-plus. you got to put him in that stratosphere where other guys are just literally ball-watching because Chris Paul is having, having to do everything because at least that makes the other guys cold. So now when you ease off of him come the fourth quarter, okay, Chris Paul's got 45 going into the fourth quarter. All right, so now let's start to leave Jay Crowder and some of these guys a little bit open. See if they can deal with being cold in the money time. That's always been my approach because from a psychological standpoint, I know what it does to players to not be involved and then suddenly be asked to be involved. Oh, you want to pass me the ball now?
0: Mm. All right, I'm shooting,
1: but my focus ain't going to be 100 because I ain't been able to really be a
0: part of the game for three quarters. Yeah, I, I, have to I haven't gotten to a rhythm.
1: Right. So I believe in that. More so than I believe in, oh, we're going we're gonna to stop the role players and let these guys go off, which is what appears to be Buna hose's approach. So it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting balance. Um, I'm curious to see how, how game three plays out. I do expect Milwaukee to come out swinging. So, you know, we're going to get a lot of mean mugs from Giannis and, you know, a couple of nasty dunks. Nobody's going to be faking the phone. Robin Lopez is probably going to get a couple of alley-oops to, you know, really work the crowd. I think Milwaukee's – Best option, though, is to take Brooke Lopez off of the starting lineup, though, and run with that five where Giannis is at the five. And mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, give Bobby Porter some playing time because Bobby Porter does have a top-of-the-key three-pointer, and he can hit it from the corners. So you can have him out there with Giannis, and you know he's going to at least give you effort. He's going to hustle, and he can guard whatever four-man Phoenix tries out there, even if it's Jay Crowder because well, what's Jay Crowder going to do? You, if Jay Crowder decides to take – take um, Portis off the dribble, you kind of let that happen. Because Jay mm-hmm. is not a ball handler kind of guy, so if you compel him to feel like he's got to get to the basket off the dribble, you live with that. You, you, you've got to... Beating teams is about making guys do things they're not used to doing when it matters most. Jay Rue Holiday. Score when it matters most. Let's see what we're getting. But on that mm-hmm. note we we'll go ahead and call it a, a, a night for this episode of Use from the Clutch. As always, I'd like to say thank you to our listeners, supporters, and subscribers. If you would like to join us, you can do so by following us on any of the podcasting platforms we're hosting on. You can also send us a message. You can reach us directly at views from at gmail.com. Tag us and talk to us on social media at views from the Clutch on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And on that note, I'm we'll say peace. Peace.